Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I feel like I'm having serious deja vu from this Tristan Thompson situation. Yeah, it's like daily deja vu. I do not understand how this guy is real, to put it quite simply. What I can't believe is that when they broke up for the fifth, sixth time, like this most final breakup, I was like, you know what? It's so nice now that anytime we talk about Tristan, it'll be in the context of them being broken up. So like, no matter what this man does, it doesn't matter because at least they are not together that we know of. And then this man finds a way to bring a story to light that he cheated on her when they were still together? How? No, I'm telling you, his level of narcissism is so severe to the point where it's almost impressive that somebody can operate like this, especially from the perspective of, yes, he's more, quote, private than the Kardashians, but he was very willing to be on the show. And we watched him for an entire season beg and plead with Chloe to take him back and to prove that he has changed his ways, that it's just so deeply embarrassing. That's the thing I am really struggling to understand. Like I can understand all the narcissism and all of the manipulation that we describe Tristan as. But the thing that I don't get is like, it's not just like he was begging for her to come back. Like that man was putting in the work to get her back. What is the point of doing all of that work just personally? Like what is the point of you yourself putting so much effort into something if you are just going to cheat on her again? Because it was never about her. He just has a need to be perceived a certain way. You know, it's let's get into it because I feel like we should lay out the details before we have a discussion. But I know that you and I are both bursting because we've actually kind of refrained from talking about this off podcast, I think, for this exact moment. Yeah, totally. Just one thing we wanted to say before we started was last week when Spotify Wrapped came out, a lot of people were tagging us in their stories that we were one of the top podcasts that they listened to. And I just have to say, it was such a crazy feeling seeing that because 
obviously, logically, you know, we understand that we put out a podcast and people listen and we know our numbers. But when you see it like that and it's broken down into minutes, it is just such a crazy and flattering feeling to know that people take time out of their week and their days to just listen to us. And I know the entire time we were just so in awe of it. So I really just want to say how appreciative we are and how grateful we are because we're just doing what we love. We're just talking about these things. And the fact that we have found people that want to listen every week is such an incredible feeling. And we really just want to say thank you because seeing that does not get old. It was the coolest thing ever. Yes. People Spotify raft and tagging us and their Spotify raft is literally my drug. Julie, it's literally me and you talking about this stuff the same way that we would talk about it if we were walking or if we were on the phone. And people are just listening. Like It's a concept that I obviously logically understand, but I still can't wrap my head around. No, it's absolutely insane. It really is. So we just wanted to say thank you. It was really cool. Not even for people that didn't tag us, just in general. I mean, I know we always say thank you, but that was a day that it really hit us. And again, we're just incredibly grateful. Okay. You ready? Yes. We're never ready realistically for Tristan. I like I don't want to be ready. Like I'm ready. Like I've obviously I've trained my whole life for this. Like he's given me <laughs> so many chances to prepare for like the big ones. You know what I mean? Like there is nothing I know better than like a Tristan Thompson timeline. I just like don't want to talk about it. I gotta tell you something, one other thing. I was thinking there hasn't been a story recently that's required like such an intensive breakdown. Not that this one does, there's not that many details. But if I really think about it, that call her daddy breakdown was honestly one of the highlights. Like I love when there's so much stuff and we have to like really break it down and almost do an informative session before we discuss it. And so I'm hoping something happens in the next few weeks that really requires that level of a breakdown. I'm actually cracking up because I so wish people could understand how often you bring up the Caller Daddy episode. It was just a high in my life. I love that. That is honestly something I thrive off of when there's so much information and like it's up to us to break it down in a way that's digestible. I, I need people to understand that like we'll randomly be at dinner with like anybody. And Emma will just turn to us and be like, I honestly do think that one of the best days of my life was the Call Her Daddy episode. <laughs> This is so embarrassing, but I'm going to keep it in because it's true. You're not even exaggerating. It happens often too. Like I, I'm, I'm actually like happy that I have the opportunity to talk about this because I don't think like people really understand like that specific episode. And like we've done a lot of really good episodes. I feel like like I always think about the Katie Couric episode, and I think about other ones. For you, whenever we're talking about the podcast, it's like I'm like Emma. We're in like a really serious thing. Like don't don't mention the caller daddy one. And <laughs> you just you can't help it. You want to know what I think it was? The last thing I'll say and then we'll start is like, it was something that at the time was considered relatively niche, even though it of course went so mainstream. And I think it's a type of subject matter where typically people who don't care about pop culture wouldn't have cared, but somehow because it became like a business situation, all of these other people had questions. And so it felt bigger than it was. I don't know. It was just exciting. And again, another time I'm grateful that we have a podcast. Totally. So let's get into this Tristan stuff. Basically, on Thursday, it breaks with limited context that he's allegedly expecting a third baby with a woman named Marilee Nichols. She's a personal trainer. And shortly after that, the Daily Mail obtains court documents. In these court documents, Marilee says that the baby was conceived in Houston back in March of this year, around the time that Tristan was in town celebrating his birthday. That was his 30th birthday. So in these documents, there was a declaration 
by Tristan, saying he acknowledges that he had sex with her several times at a hotel after they attended a party together, but he says that that night was the only time that they had ever had sex. This is completely opposite from her version of events because she's basically saying that this affair began at least five months before his 30th birthday. So part of what she was saying was that it wasn't just in Houston, it was also her traveling to California and it continued after she got pregnant. So two different versions of events there. In terms of what she's asking for, she's asking for child support and for him to cover any pregnancy-related medical expenses. We'll get into the Chloe of it all as it applies to the timeline, but just keep that in the back of your mind. And then a screenshot comes out, which looks like a Snapchat conversation. I'm going to just read it for you because you have to actually hear it for it to hit. This is allegedly him saying it to her over Snapchat. You know how I feel. My feelings haven't changed at all. I won't be involved at all. By the way, if you think having this baby is going to make you some money, it's completely wrong. You're aware that I'm retiring after this season. So in terms of support, it will be whatever is required monthly for someone who's unemployed. It's Texas, so it will be only a couple of hundred dollars. So you're better off taking the $75,000 i am offering because you won't get nothing near that with having a kid with a father who's unemployed. All you will have is a baby with a father who has zero involvement with the child and a few hundred dollars of child support a month. Okay. So in these filings, it's a little bit confusing because Tristan denies sending the messages, but also claims that, quote, his contact information is present in them. So do with that what you will. Then I'm sure you guys saw on Instagram, there was a photo of a baby circulating. This ended up being a fake Instagram account. It was somebody who was pretending to be Marley. It was a photo of a baby, an adorable baby, but off of Google images. So ignore that from anything that you've seen. Let's take a beat. I want to get your immediate reaction, and then I want to get into the Chloe situation. That Snapchat text is like one of the most disgusting things I've read in my life. Truly ever in my life, and also the fact that it was on Snapchat. The thing about this one that – I know it feels weird saying different than the past, but the situation with Tristan cheating on Chloe is like – it was so unbelievably disgusting and the time frame of it was so unbelievably disgusting in terms of when it happened. But like in terms of his character, there was almost room for redemption. Like there was something that he could do to like show the public and Chloe that like he was capable of change. When you send something like this, which is like, first of all, the offering of the 75,000, which was being reported by a lot of news sources as that meaning like offering her the money to get an abortion. And then on top of that saying like, you know, all you'll have is a child without a father, like taking this out on an unborn baby. Like there's no redemption in that. No, there's none. And also everything, and this is not limited to this conversation. This conversation just really highlights it. Everything that Tristan does has the goal of completely absolving him of any responsibility. You know what I mean? Like this is entirely her problem. It's her fault. It's her situation. And here he is giving her this offering and she would be stupid not to take it. You know, as if he had no involvement in her being pregnant in the first place, like as if these weren't conscious choices that he was making. It is really unfathomable that somebody can act in this way. Like, it is actually hard for me to wrap my head around. Especially, by the way, after repeatedly getting caught. Like, to be very clear, you should not talk to a person like this ever, no matter what, whether you're in the public eye or not, whether that's these conversations are ever going to be made public. But it's just his inability to also learn from the past is so, so deeply concerning. 
I mean, at the very baseline of that, like in terms of just learning from the past, like use a condom. Right. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Has this man never heard of condoms? I'm so confused. No, but Jack Harlow, according to Dumois, is apparently doing something with Trojan. So maybe that'll convince him. Don't bring up Jack Harlow and Trojan while talking about Tristan. It's too much. Two opposite ends of the spectrum there. It's too much negative and positive. It doesn't go together. I know. Okay. So in terms of Chloe's involvement in all of this, obviously their timeline has been really ambiguous for a while now, but according to, I would say the most commonly reported timeline, they got back together somewhere around September, 2020, and they broke up June of this year. So if that is accurate, they would have been together at the time that he got this woman Marilee pregnant. A lot of people are referencing her post for his birthday, which was in March. I'm just going to read that out loud. The ones that are meant to be are the ones that go through everything that is designed to tear them apart and they come out even stronger than they were before. Thank you for showing me everything you said you would for the father you are, for the best friend I have in you. I'm thankful that I can do absolutely nothing with you and it feels like everything. I hope you know today and every day how loved you are by me and so many. Happy birthday. Welcome to 30. I can't wait for all of the moments. This is when life just starts getting good. So the real question is what timeline is the accurate version of events? And second of all, this is the question I really want to start with. Do you think that Chloe knew about this affair? Slash, do you think that she had any heads up from him about the conception? Well, let me start with the timeline here because I think that that's the first piece of this, which is that it's really unclear when they started dating. But based on that birthday post, I think we can conclude that they were definitely together during his 30th birthday. And so I guess the actual timeline doesn't matter as much as it matters that like, when this affair happened and when he cheated on her, they were definitely together, confirmed together. So I guess that's the most important thing. In terms of when she found out about this other woman and the baby, I I don't know if he told her. I really, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody at Daily Mail or TMZ or any of those other sources called Chris and said, just a heads up, we're running with this story. And that's how the news broke to the family. So in terms of what you said regarding March, I completely agree with you. I think that based on that post, they were definitely together and he was factually cheating on her. I guess my real remaining question is when they allegedly broke up in June of this year, was that because of this? Was that because, you know, he found out, he told her, or she found out some other way? Or is it really, like you said, potentially a situation where TMZ is giving Kris Jenner a heads up a week ago and you know, now Chloe has five days of knowledge. I I don't really know. I want to believe that it was the June reason, but I would be lying if I said to you, I feel certain one way or another. Yeah. I don't know. I could easily see it being the June reason. I didn't think about that previously because I guess I was just thinking about like the initial cheating and the story just breaking now, but yeah, that could totally be it. I mean, I just also, as you were speaking, remembered that Hulu cameras are probably filming during this whole ordeal right now. Do you remember pre-Jordan, the first time that he cheated on her, or the first time that we know about, and it happened because that video surfaced of him literally putting his face in between those women's breasts? Remember that? I would never forget till the day I die, yeah. So that was a situation where we 100% know Chloe found out with the rest of the world. Right. I don't know about that here. There's a part of me that feels like I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like she knew a few months ago, and maybe that's just wishful thinking. 
And maybe wishful thinking that she found out back in June instead of with the rest of the world now. My only thought process on why it may not have been June is because I just can't envision a scenario where Tristan mans up enough to tell her himself. No, to be honest with you, no part of me thinks that he would either. That's why I wonder, you know, maybe this woman gnarly told Chloe that feels very far out, or maybe it was a situation where she found out from another source and they had a deal that the story wasn't going to break until the baby was born. I don't know. All of these do feel a little bit far out. I'm just trying to think of every possibility. And maybe that's just because I don't want to believe that it was, you know, what it has been previously, where she really did find out with the rest of the world or a one day heads up. There's also a part of me that feels like Tristan is narcissistic enough to believe that he could have kept this a secret. Yes. Well, that's the whole thing. His level of belief within himself to conceal and deceive. And listen, he's not entirely wrong. You know, even you and I, who obviously have come down so hard on him in the past, we got sucked into his redemption tour a little bit. You know, he's a very charismatic guy and he uses that charisma in an incredibly manipulative way. And if you watch that last season, a lot of people were never back on board with him. But I think what happens is that you want Chloe to be happy, you know? And so you may dislike the guy as much as you want. You may think that he is has no really good intentions, but if she is still sticking with it, it's like, okay, you have a choice then. Do you accept it or do you just continue to kind of feel like a hater? And so we don't even know her personally, you know? So I can imagine how we were feeling. I wonder how the rest of the family feels. It's like, you want to quote, take him back in a way because that seems to be what she wants. And so at a certain point, like- how do you kind of manage that? What you think versus what your loved one is telling you that she wants. I don't know. It's a very hard balance to strike. It is really hard. And I think that, like I said earlier, it was all of that in conjunction with the fact of like, when you're watching somebody consistently put in so much work into making something right and to getting somebody back and like over and over again, just putting like, everything they have in them to try and win this person back. Like it's really hard to conceptualize the fact that they're just doing that for a show because it's their own work. It's their own effort. It's like what they're saying they want more than anything in the world. And so of course you kind of get sucked into that fact because it's so it's, it's illogical to think that somebody would put this amount of work in just to screw that person over again and again and again, your brain doesn't really conceptualize that. At the same time, though, like I'm fine with that. I don't necessarily want to get hardened to the point, or I don't necessarily want to have to continually put myself in the brain of somebody that I consider like, I don't want to use the word sociopathic, but just really, really off to understand their logic. Like, I'm okay with getting burned peripherally because at least that shows that we're operating under like the intentions of a relatively moral person. <laughs> did I, I don't, did, that, did I explain that okay? Yeah, you explained that perfectly. I so get what you mean. And and you're 100% right. It's just like when your brain doesn't work in that way, it's hard to understand how somebody could operate like that. Like it's just an impossible concept for me to grasp. And even still, it's just like it's it's so hard to understand the fact that somebody can come off as such a good guy and then all of their actions are the opposite and you still manage to be sucked in by the things they say rather than things they do. Yeah. And that's why he has continuously gotten away with it. All of my interest now goes to, okay, let's say that 
she really only found out about this a week ago or whenever it was when they got a few day heads up. How does the rest of the family react? And then if it's the first option, which is that she found out months ago and the family has had time to kind of ruminate with this, you know, where does their relationship stand with them? Because they all seem to be on relatively good terms and is the understanding of like, listen, this is True's dad. He's going to be linked to us forever. And as long as he's not with Chloe, we have the ability to be civil and to be warm with him. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to like envision Kim sitting across the table from him and being totally fine. Then again, if she had months to process it, you know, maybe that's over. I don't know. It's, it's just dark. The whole thing is very dark. And, uh, He's just a bad guy. That's just what it comes down to. Yeah, it's just, it really is dark and it really sucks. And the one thing that I want to say to Chloe, which I don't even know if I have the grounds to say as like not a parent and not a child of divorce is like, you don't have to co-parent in the way that you think you do. Like if it's so damaging for you and your mental health to have to co-parent in the way that your sisters do or co-parent in the way that like you think is the right thing to do in this day and age, like your family doesn't have to operate like that if it's damaging to you. I mean, like, look at Scott and Courtney now also. Like, Scott and Courtney were able to co-parent together in a certain way for a certain amount of time. And I think that Scott has had to take a step back for his own mental health. And I think that's okay to do. Yeah, no, I think so too. I mean, again, the question would really be, is this damaging towards her? You know, has she gotten to the point where she actually has the ability, I don't even want to say to be apathetic to it, but that is kind of what I mean, which is sad. It's sad that numbness could potentially be the only option, but I don't know where her head's at clearly enough to be able to give any sort of insight. But yeah, he's he's just the worst. And I hope that we never have to discuss him again in this capacity, but something tells me that that will not be the case. I think that's wishful thinking. I agree. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl & Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that 
like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, let's have a nice little palate cleanser with Ben Affleck's cover story with Wall Street Journal magazine, specifically the part where he spoke about the rekindling with J-Lo. How do you feel about that? I feel amazing about it. And I feel like I just want to tell Ben Affleck like a couple of years ago, it's going to get so much better. You're actually going to be a palate cleanser of a story and you're going to be the good guy on the other end. It's almost the exact antithesis to the Tristan stuff because if you remember, he started out on a point where we felt like this was the guy for Chloe. You know, After everything that she had been through, here comes Tristan and he's really going to save the day. And there's just been a direct decline of that. Whereas Ben Affleck, especially through the eyes of his relationship with Jennifer Gardner, it, it was not a good situation for him. And he really, you're, you're right, he's had this kind of, I don't necessarily want to say a redemption tour, but it's definitely changed for him recently. Yeah, the whole point of this article or the whole theme of this article is Ben Affleck talking about second chances. When these photos originally came out, we saw them when we were just like, wow, he looks so handsome. Like not only does he look hot, he just looks so handsome. And of course, like I always do, my next reaction was to Google his height, which I've done before, but I always forget. And when you Google it, it says 6'4". There's a little bit of a discrepancy between whether he's 6'3 or 6'4", but either way, it's a good situation regardless. And when we posted the photo of him, we also posted it with the screenshot from Google of like how tall is Ben Affleck. And when I tell you the responses were out of hand, people just saying the funniest shit about how that one fact really, really changed things for them. You're so funny because you're like 50 first dates, but with Ben Affleck's height, because like every single day you wake up and Google how tall is Ben Affleck and get surprised by that six four every single time. And by the way, I wanted to stay exactly like that. How lucky am I that I get to relive that joy? (laughs) Yeah, like you are so lucky that you have the memory of a goldfish and every day you can wake up and relive finding out how tall Ben Affleck is. I do. I'm envious. I'm envious because I have that 6'4 so burned in the back of my brain that I feel like no matter what new information I find out about Ben Affleck or anybody else in this world, like it'll never compete with that. Like I found out the ultimate information. Holy grail of information, Julie. How could he get hotter? That's why everybody's like, yeah, but the back tattoo. I'm like, you think I give a shit about the back tattoo? And also, by the way, when he's on top of you, you don't see the back tattoo unless you have a mirror on the ceiling. I was just going to say, it's not like I have to be behind him. Right, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so... It was an article titled Ben Affleck on the Gift of Second Chances by Michael Haney. And it's a really good read regardless, but there were specifically a few parts about J-Lo. We're going to read them verbatim. If you already read them, feel free to fast forward the next like 45 seconds. But Michael asks, can we talk about your current relationship with Jennifer Lopez? He says, 
You can write conjecture about it, but one of the harder lessons that I've learned is that it's not wise to share everything with the world. There are some things which are private and intimate and have meaning in terms of their intimacy by dint of the fact that they're not shared with the rest of the world. I'm more comfortable just learning to find a boundary between things that I want to share and things that I don't. I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't. I know that I feel more comfortable having those healthy boundaries in my life around which, in a friendly and straightforward way, I tell you, I just don't want to be talking about my personal relationship with the newspaper. I'm going to exercise a little restraint. By the way, like, I obviously want to hear him talk about it, but it's hot to hear him say exercise a little restraint for some reason. It's all hot. There's nothing about this that isn't hot, but at the same time, it's like, stop edging me. Like, I never thought I would tell Ben Affleck to stop edging me, but like, stop edging me. That's hilarious. True life. I was being edged by Ben Affleck and I didn't like it. <laughs> yes. Like, just tell me. Just like, literally, like, by the way, like, I know you're dating. I see you guys kissing. It's very public. Like, just fill in that one little blank for me. So then Michael asked the question, but really, how did it restart? My wife was like, who do you think called who first? Which I loved the way that that was phrased because you could so hear him saying it. You know what I mean? Like he probably had this moment of like, holy shit, I am interviewing Ben Affleck. This is my chance. Let me blame it on my wife. (laughs) You know? That's what I was just going to say is like, how many guys do you think there are that were so unbelievably interested, but then had to back it up by like it under the guise of their wife? Like, you know, I have to ask because I'm with you, but like my wife wants to know, like, please, you wanted to know just as badly. Right. Exactly. So he says, I can say that it's definitely beautiful to me. And you know, one of the things I really value across all the facets of my life now is that it was handled in a way that reflected that. My life now reflects not just the person that I want to be, but the person that I really feel like I am which is not perfect, but somebody who tries very hard and cares very much about being honest and authentic and accountable. It's hard to say who benefits more without going into gossipy detail. I could just say that I feel great about being very healthy and it is a good story. It's a great story. And you know, maybe one day I'll tell it, I'll write it all out and then I'll light it on fire. And then this is the part where it really, I think is the discussion that leads to the title of the article being Ben Affleck on Second Chances, Michael says to him, I think what's powerful and poignant about you and Jennifer is that we so rarely get second chances, especially in love. And he says, I'm very lucky in my life that I've benefited from second chances and I'm aware that other people don't even get first chances. I've had second chances in my career, second chances as a human being. Life is difficult and we're always failing and hopefully learning from those failures. The one thing you really need to avail yourself of the opportunities provided from that growth is a second chance. I've definitely tried to take advantage of that. I haven't always been successful, but in cases in which I have, they've turned out to be the defining aspects of my life. But tell your wife to imagine the best story, and I'm sure that's the true version. That last line got me. It's really, I, I want to die. Because by the way, that's all I want. I, we constantly say this, not just with Ben and JLo. We want to be able to envision the version that is the most exciting and the most romantic, and we want that to be the truth. And this is direct permission, whether accurate or not, from Ben Affleck to say, you know what? Romanticize the actual fuck out of this and I'm going to verify that truth. That's all we've ever wanted. That is what we want from ASAP and Rihanna. That's what we want from, I can't even, the list is endless. And so he's literally giving us permission to do that and not feel foolish for doing so. There was almost something there that was like the real acknowledgement of being a celebrity rather than a real couple when he says that in the terms of like, he so understands how much people get in their own lives from this idea of like this couple from 20 years ago reconciling and being able to really make it and being this iconic couple. And it was like almost this moment of like, I know that you guys are sitting thinking about the first love of your life or like the people that you want to win back. And like, 
whatever way you can view our story that helps you get to that place is how we want you to view our story. And that was such like, I don't know if that was his intention, but that is really what I derived from him saying that. Me too. And I think that if I was listening to you describe that and I didn't know who you were talking about, it would sound like a little bit holier than thou, you know, like that they have to put their relationship in the context of this, you know, mega fame in order to make it relatable or whatever you want to say to your quote average person. But it didn't feel like that at all to me. I actually, endearing is probably the wrong word, but I did find it a little bit endearing. Like it didn't feel um, like he had any sort of a superiority complex there. I actually appreciated that because it's the truth. He was acknowledging the fame and the public interest. And to me, it was very clear that this is the same person that so willingly took those photos recreating the Jenny from the Block music video. There's also something really funny when I'm thinking about this whole idea of him being like, make your own story, because I'm thinking about it now in the context of Will and Jada and how much they've spoken. And it's like, you know what? I spent my entire life thinking that all I wanted was as much information from celebrities as they're willing to share. And then Will and Jada come out and I'm like, you know what? Maybe it is better to just let us fill in the blanks ourselves. The fact that there is a petition for them to stop doing interviews is like just factually one of the funnier concepts. It's hilarious because think about you and I, like whenever we've spoken about power couples, like Will and Jada are the top of that list. We always talk about Will and Jada. And every single time these two give an interview, whether it's together or separate, it like, not that it changes how powerful they are as people and how powerful they are when they're combined. It just changes my view of them as a couple where I'm like, I can't talk about them as a power couple without having an asterisk next to it now. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because sometimes people feel like celebrities, especially those of that you know caliber of fame, sharing moments like that humanizes them. And I think that typically that's what it does. But for some reason with the Will and Jada stuff, it doesn't come across as humanizing because it's so outlandish. Like your average Joe isn't throwing up from orgasming in the way that Will Smith was here. And so it doesn't even, it doesn't have the impact of humanizing it and also doesn't have the impact of sustaining the like level of esteem that you have put on them. So it just does this thing that I think our brains don't really know what to do with yet. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> that was really fun. Let's take a little ad break and we will come back with Paris and Cardi and a million other things. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so... I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. 
Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. So you guys may have seen this. Paris Hilton recently started a podcast called This Is Paris. And on one of the most recent episodes, she was talking about the quote, holy trinity of her, Brittany and Lindsay, and just saying how it's so nice for her to look and see how they're all kind of individually thriving in their own lives. And she's had this feud with Lindsay for years now, even in 2019 when she was on Watch What Happens with Andy. And he asked her to say three nice things about Lindsay and her response was beyond lame and embarrassing. And she said in this podcast episode, quote, I also just saw that Lindsay got engaged and I know we've had our differences in the past, but I just wanted to say congratulations to her and that I'm genuinely very happy for her. I think something with Paris is that very recently, I think she's always understood how iconic she was, but I think that very recently she's really understood that and like the concept of not just her, but in terms of the culture. Like I think she's always thought, I'm Paris Hill and I'm iconic. I think only recently is she understanding like the 2000s as a whole and the iconic role that she had in that. And I think with that comes obviously Brittany and Lindsay. And I think that one of the main reasons she's so willing to bury that hatchet with Lindsay and really speak so openly about her relationship with Brittany is because she is finally getting that concept of we're stronger together. We're more iconic together. We're more important together. So if we can make that be a real comeback in 2021 and 2022, like that is so much better than having this like infantile feud. Yes, so much better. And also like to put it in the most simple terms, so much cooler, which it really is. It is. It's so cool. And that's what I feel like this whole like 15 year anniversary of the quote bimbo summit and the Holy Trinity like really represents because that is pop culture in a picture. Like everything that we think about pop culture and talk about pop culture, like it almost boils down to that one photo. And so for Paris to really be able to acknowledge that fact, yeah, it's a hundred percent cooler. Well, also in the same episode, she spoke about that actual nylon article because it was an article, like Julie said, titled Paris, Brittany, and Lindsay, the triumph of the bimbo summit. And it was in celebration. It came out just last week and it was in celebration of that, you know, famous picture of the three of them. And Paris in her podcast is talking about reading that and like actually taking the time to sit down. And that in and of itself is kind of a crazy concept because we always see all of this, but to envision, you know, Paris Hilton herself reading about it. And then she goes on to say like, you know what, in the 2000s, that was what all of this was about. The media was constantly feeding these feuds and they wanted to pit women against each other. And she's like, I'm now realizing that that was just being immature. You know, yes, of course, some things have happened, but this is the next phase of my life. And she literally said, I don't want to have any of that negative energy. And I believe her when she says that, not just because she realized that it wasn't a good look for her. I genuinely think there was a change in her feelings on it. Yeah, I think so too. I just think she's matured past that point. I think that also for her being able to put that Lindsay Lohan feud behind her, like 
puts the full power that the media had on them behind her. Like it really represents like we are so above what you thought we were at this time. And they are so above and they were so above at that time what we thought they were. And that this is like the truest representation of that. And I think also in Paris's mind, she is such a businesswoman and she's always thinking ahead where it's like, you know, Brittany is free, maybe because she has autonomy over herself and her career decisions, she'll want to do something going forward. Paris is always looking for some sort of a business venture. And Lindsay obviously is coming back into the scene and has her Netflix movie coming out. And I think in Paris's mind, she's probably like, let's put this all behind us and see what the three of us could maybe one day down the road create together. And I think that it will happen. Also, I know that she had wished Brittany a happy birthday. And at least at the time they were recording this, Brittany hadn't publicly responded, which people were speculating was like potentially shade. But everything that we've heard from like, I don't want to say like insiders, but things that we've heard from conversations, it doesn't feel that there is at all any bad blood between Brittany and Paris. No, I don't think there is any. And also it's not unusual for Brittany not to respond at all. Well, I think what happened was that it came after Brittany publicly praising Lady Gaga. And so people kind of like equated the two, but I genuinely, I would tell you if I thought it, like I, I don't think that Brittany feels a way about Paris and that's not like at all what we have heard. Yeah. Anyway, so it was just a really like fun thing to listen to. Anytime, you know, a person that is part of such an iconic moment acknowledges that I am here for it. And, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's worth the listen. Also, 30 seconds on Paris and Love, can we? Yeah, I would love to. You have to watch the most recent episode that came out just to really understand. And we've spoken about it before and we saw it in the documentary, but the way that Kathy and Paris are so similar and then Nikki is apparently so much like their dad, Rick, when they are in Vegas specifically, the similarities between Kathy and Paris are just so glaring. And Nikki always says like, how did I end up in this family? And it's so interesting to watch the way that, yes, Paris has put on this kind of alter ego as a way to protect herself and her like, quote, true self. And she's spoken about that. But also part of that persona really is her. And I am so fascinated by their dynamic. It doesn't get old to me because it doesn't feel performative. Like it's so outlandish that you would think it's performative, but I actually think this is what goes on. Oh, I think so too. I mean, I said it from the first time that I saw Kathy Hillen on Housewives where I was like, everything about Paris just made sense. Like it all clicked together. So on this most recent episode, one of the things they were talking about was Kathy deciding to join Housewives of Beverly Hills. And Paris and Nikki have this name for her, the IG, which stands for the instant goat. And Kathy's like, I didn't understand. Like I come on the show and people are putting my face on goats. She's like, and I thought that, you know, it was an insult. And then I find out what goat means. <laughs> and so then Paris and Nikki like coined the phrase, the Iginator, and that's what they call her. But one of my favorite things that they talked about was how their entire lives, Kathy was, you know, relatively reserved and she had Paris when she was 19. She had to grow up kind of so quickly. She met Rick when she was 15 and like, she never was able to, I don't want to say to be a child, but to like exist in her almost childlike ways. And that recently she kind of struck down this notion of like, I want to constantly present the perfect family and was like, fuck it. And Paris was saying, watching my mom be so carefree, like that's how I want to be with my kids. I don't want my kids to have to feel like they have to put on this image of the perfect family. And so it's not just like we're seeing Kathy and now we're all getting to know her. It's also like, this was consciously her first time ever showing this side of her personality. I think also- 
it feels so full circle that we got introduced to this new side of Paris and then this family that we've known for so many years and has been so in our orbit, but a little bit more hidden is now so at the forefront and like to be able to piece together their family dynamics and how they interact and how they're all coming into their own in this year, so many years after the fact, it's like, it's really incredible. It is. I'm telling you, I have a whole new, not even a whole new, just a whole different understanding and appreciation of Paris Hilton. And I think she's more dynamic than people give her credit for. And yes, she was born in era. She was obviously born into an exorbitant amount of wealth and success and connections. But the way that she chose to chart her path, I think was very specific because like she says, what she went through at that boarding school, she associated success with freedom from that. And that's why her drive to make even more money, like realistically, she could have never worked a day in her life and she would have been completely fine. The amount of money that she has amassed is directly correlated with the amount of work that she put in. She didn't have to do this. She had a trust fund. She could have lived a very comfortable life. It's like she wanted to get to the billionaire status, which I don't know if she's gotten there yet, but specifically because of what that like signaled for her on a more psychological level. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say also, I'm a Nikki Hilton stan. Oh yeah. She's like the glue of the family. I think she is absolutely just the coolest, most put together. I don't know. There's just something about her that every time I watch her, I'm like, it's so different than Paris. And it's hard to believe that you guys are sisters, let alone the fact that you are the younger sister. But I'm just, I'm obsessed with their dynamic. And even more than that, I'm obsessed with Nikki on her own. Mm -hmm. Yes. I feel the same way. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. One thing we wanted to mention before we get into the Kardashian recap is that Cardi B was announced as Playboy's first ever creative director in residence. Ben Cohn, who's the CEO of Playboy Group, told people, quote, Cardi B is a creative genius and we're absolutely thrilled and honored to bring her immense talent and creative vision to Playboy. Through her unapologetic commitment to free expression, her dedication to lifting up artistic voices, and her celebration of sex and body positivity, Cardi is the embodiment of the Playboy brand. And as part of this new role, which I don't really know what it fully entails yet, she is going to be a founding member of Centerfold, which is a new kind of like a creator-led platform that seems to be similar to OnlyFans. So very exciting stuff. And I mean, talk about an activation that is so on brand. I was just about to say, like, this is the anti what does Gaga know about cameras? Like, this makes more sense than maybe any other brand deal that I can think of. And, you know, when I think about it in terms of like 
celebrities taking on these roles. And by roles, I mean like not just coming out with a product, but actually taking a role in a company. This is the type of thing that I feel like they need to be aiming for because you don't have to be a Cardi B fan to understand why this makes sense. And that is, I feel like where the real power lies. Like this is so different, but remember when Sarah and Aaron Foster were named, I forget exactly what it was, maybe something with creative at Bumble. Yes, of course. I was like, okay, that makes so much sense to me. And that's how I felt about this Cardi one. I was like, yes, you are the perfect person for this. Well, that's what's really fun about this is that I think we're so used to seeing like celebrities for whatever reason can no longer just exist in what they're good at. Like they always have to have something secondary now. And that's what it seems like. Like everybody has a clothing brand. Everyone has a makeup line. Like everyone has all of these secondary products, which I think is so great. Like I I don't think everyone has to have one, but I think when you find one that really works, it is such an amazing thing. But there's a lot of celebrities who are coming out with these lines and it feels a little forced. Like it feels like, okay, I have to have something else. I need to do something besides music or I need to do something besides acting. Let me put out this line or be involved in this. And sometimes even if it's on brand, it just feels a little forced. And this is one where it's like, it doesn't feel forced. It's so on brand. It's so perfect. It's additive. Like her role there will be additive to the company. And that's why it's so exciting to see, especially for Cardi, who you want just like the maximum amount of success for. Yes. I also remember when Jennifer Addison was named um, chief creative officer of Vital Proteins. Yes. Like that to me makes sense. I know it was maybe a little bit misunderstood. People speculated whether or not she was taking the products. I kind of got that one. It's different than this because I feel like, you know, we feel as though Cardi would have a more involved role just because it's different. But I'm just thinking off the top of my head of other ones that make sense, which actually is a really good episode segment that we should do. Yeah. Not as easy as you would think it is. No, it's not as easy because a lot of them are completely bullshit. Right. Is it okay with you if we start out with the Kylie Travis W Magazine situation? I would love to. Okay, so full disclosure, some of these details aren't entirely clear to us either because all of the information that we were getting were from leaked photos of the article. So bear with me. But basically what had happened was Kylie and Travis were supposed to be on the cover of W Magazine. And when the Astroworld tragedy occurred, the magazine pulled that article. So this weekend the entire article, not just the photos, but the entire article was also leaked. And, you know, it was quickly kind of pulled from online. But the real kind of takeaway from what was leaked was that the article kept saying that Travis and Kylie were not together. And it was entitled like, quote, the modern approach and talked about how, you know, they're co-parenting Stormy, but they're not fully together by any means. And one side note before we get into the Chloe of it all, it's very chilling because the last paragraph of the article says, you know, and Travis had to leave the shoot early to head to Houston where he's putting on his Astro World Festival, which when you're reading that, you realize just how recently this whole thing was covered. Right. So basically a TikTok was made talking about this cover story, talking about how they're no longer together. And Chloe commented on that saying, wow, I don't know why this magazine would write this, but they're very much a couple. Which if you just see her comment, you would think that it was like a story from a tabloid. But what's so confusing to us because we read the entire article is there's multiple references throughout it about how they're not together. So what I'm so confused about is like, 
what is the discrepancy here? Like they sat down with an interviewer, they talked at length about them not being a couple. How is that so different from the quote, actual version of reality that's now being clarified by Chloe three weeks later? It is really confusing. I mean, but then again, in Kylie's quotes in that article and in Travis's from what we've seen, never once do they themselves say that they're not a couple. That's kind of what I'm saying though. Like, I guess my point is, let's say that nothing with Astroworld ever occurred and this article actually came out. How would it have been received by the family anyway? The whole thing makes no sense to me. Yeah, it would have been so interesting for this article to have come out and seen how they responded because I don't think or I can't think of a situation in which somebody has sat down for an interview and (laughs) a reporter has taken that much creative freedom in terms of telling their story of who they're interviewing. I mean, it's very, very confusing how they sat down, did this whole interview kind of about them as a family and them expecting their second child. And the takeaway from this article had it actually come out would have been like that this is just their modern approach to parenting and that it's not them as a couple when they have said that they're a couple. That's what I'm just confused about. I also, you know, it depends on the definition of being a couple. Like they said multiple times in the article that they're not living together. That's one thing, you know, are they fully together? Are they just figuring it out? Did by not a couple, do they mean that they're not married? I don't know exactly the definition, but I'm telling you, if you read this entire article, it, it is a little bit ambiguous. And then Chloe's comment, I guess I I tried to clarify the narrative that the family is trying to push. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a very, very weird thing. And I don't know who at W Mag was responsible for allowing these to be leaked, but it's, uh, I can imagine what that was like behind the scenes for them. Yeah. It's all very strange. To be honest with you, my favorite thing that happened this week was the Amon Shumpert, Tayana Taylor skims campaign with their kids, Judy and Rue. Talk about a power couple. This is what we have been saying for the last few weeks when we're saying like Kim is understanding who is so relevant in culture right now and capitalizing on that for skims. And I think we're going to see only more of this. Yeah. I mean, she is so good at nailing down exactly who we want to see. And like, especially Iman Chumpert, who's coming off of his Dancing with the Stars win, which like I know actually when I say it out loud sounds like kind of a funny sentence because it's been a very long time since we've put weight on a Dancing with the Stars win. But like that was a very big deal. And if people watched him, even if it was just clips that got released throughout this season, like he was so unbelievably talented in this and so celebrated that they're really having a moment right now as they deserve. And so especially for Kim to take this couple and take it from the family approach and bring in their two kids and bring in Junie, who's like maybe the funniest child you could ever imagine. It's exactly what we say. Like her finger is just always on the pulse. Yes. Beyonce. And actually, now that you said Junie, I'm going to put the link in the description. I will not forget. Can you write it down though to make sure that I don't of the TikTok when Junie's on stage with Tayana and she's trying to get the audience to be quiet. (laughs) No, You guys, the, the personality of this child is incredible. Did you watch any of their reality show on E! that was on recently? I only watched a little. I have to sit down. That's like a great binge watch. You have to because especially the dynamic between Junie and Tayana versus Iman. There's one scene where Iman asks Junie to do something and Junie gives him a face. And he's like, you and your mother like are the exact same. Like, You guys don't do anything. I do everything in this house. Like, I asked you to do one thing and you give me the exact same face. And I'm like, this is 
the best family dynamic that I could ever watch on television. Something that we need to do also, and by we, I mean all of us, we have to rewatch Tiana's episode of My Super Suit 16. Like everybody forgets that that happened. You're so right. You are so, so, so right. That was 2007. 14 years ago, she was on My Super Sweet 16 and the trajectory of her career slash life, just it's wonderful to witness. Incredible. Last thing, which I know it feels so stupid to say out loud, like we're literally talking about a like on Instagram, but there was the photo that Casey Davidson, who's Pete Davidson's sister, posted of her and him sitting uh, sitting courtside with the caption, caption this, and people just commented really funny things. But Kim liked the photo, which I know if you go to look, it looks like she unliked it. She didn't. You just have to look from a certain account. I don't know why Instagram does that, but we triple checked before recording this if the like is still showing up. And from some of our accounts, it is. So I don't know what is the deal there with the algorithm, but I like that little subtle um, approval by Kim. I'm so embarrassed that you teed the story up by saying that you feel stupid saying it because I was prepared to jump in and be like, I never place that much important on a like, but this like changed my life. No, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like normally I know how stupid this sounds, but I think that Kim is so intentional with her social media that that signals something. To me, that was like a subtle nod of I'm acknowledging that this is real. Obviously she's already done so in the Georgia Baldi pictures, but it was almost like her subtle lean into acknowledging it on social media. It was like, well, that's what it was. Like it was almost so normal of like, okay, my boyfriend doesn't write boyfriend. I don't know if he can even use that word. Doesn't have social media, but like here's a picture of him that got posted. And I want to acknowledge that I've seen that photo. Like it was so simple, but like kind of adorable. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad that you feel that same way. I, I completely agree. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, is there anything else you want to mention? No, I think we probably got it all in in this episode. A lot just happened. I don't even know what just happened. I don't either. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we'll see you later this week. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then it's like I didn't exist. Don't take yada yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join, same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices.